Welcome to the Stay Curious podcast brought to you by Alpha UK. My name's Chloe and this is Alex. This podcast is all about being open-minded, staying curious and fueling your intrigue. We're going to be hearing stories from people all across the UK and beyond. We're going to be covering big things, small things, the totally irreverent as well as the deeply theological. We hope you have fun listening along. So welcome to this week's podcast. But before we get into it, Al, we need your 40 before 40 update. Have you ticked anything off the list this week? Well, for those people who haven't been listening already, Chloe, yeah. they may not know that in May I turned 40, which is totally unbelievable. There's no way that anybody would believe I was turning 40. 30, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, but that was huge news. I broke a world record. Really? Yeah. What was it? Um, I broke the world record for the fastest unraveling of a toilet roll in one hand. I think that's the most boring. It was actually really underwhelming. And that was on your 40 before 40 list. Well, it was um, on my list was break a world record. Um, and then I could find one that's breakable. Could find. Yeah, yeah. The only other option was take the most selfies in three minutes, which okay. um, a friend of mine who was there reckoned he did as well. But I haven't submitted it yet to the Guinness Book of World Records. So it's not in the book. It's not official, but I have got it on video. So, wow. yeah. But can I see it at Christmas? You know... Do people still buy the actual the book? Guinness, I used to yeah. get that every year. Yeah, when I was my brother used to get it. The Guinness yeah. record book. Yeah, well, I look forward to opening that at Christmas. <laughs> well, also, we're asking each week our listeners to send in a question or something they're curious about. So we've had someone send in a question. Yeah, and we've had our first listener question. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, well, we had a few and we've chosen this one. And the question is from Dave in Southampton. And he said, I'm curious to know if you can use the word clutch in a sentence successfully. And so Chloe, I'm gonna to come to you and see if you can answer Dave's question. Yeah, so I would say, I went on a night out in Swansea and I took my clutch, as in a clutch bag, a clutch that bag. you would put, you know, your lip gloss in and your phone. Yeah, a clutch like a bag. little tiny bag. Yeah. yeah. I think Dave has added a little bit more information, okay. which was to say that he's got teenage children and they've started using lots of words that he doesn't quite understand. Okay. And I'm not sure. That, that makes yet. more sense. I was wondering why Dave was taking his clutch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I was to use the word in a sentence, it would be, I was driving my kids to school and the clutch in my car was a bit uh, yeah. tricky. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. What other reason would you use clutch? Well, I don't know. But we are joined today by somebody who might be able to answer us. And our guest on the podcast today is Dan Blythe. Dan is the global director of Alpha Youth. And we're hoping that he can shine a little bit of light onto this, as well as lots of other things. But um, we're sort of making ourselves feel really like old and lame. Yeah, by we're showing our age. Yeah. You presumably, Dan, yeah. are like a little bit more in touch with Gen Z language. Wow. Why is clutch like a word that they use with another like we meaning to it? Well, yeah, we're hoping you're going to explain it to us. Oh, no, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really okay. out of So yeah. if you're listening along, you need to sort of write in to explain what clutch is because Dave is, Dave is hanging on. Is, is it Gen Z? Why don't I look it up on um, like Urban Dictionary or yeah. something? Yeah. I, made, I made a decision a while ago that I'm never going to become that youth guy who's like constantly changing his language. So Matt. Like, yeah. Okay. Like it just, there's a lot of lack of authenticity. Okay, I've Googled it. I'll put Gen X instead of Gen Z. God, that's my clone. Bear with what does clutch mean? Oh, gaming. Right, gaming it's a gaming term. That makes um, sense. Clutch is a term in the gaming community that means to push through even in a difficult situation. I like that. This is used when a gamer is losing but still manages to win the game at the last minute. So use that in a sentence. Um, Boys, we got a I'm the only one left. Don't worry, it'll be clutch. Nice. Mark, clutch. I'm the only one left. Chad, don't worry, it'll be clutch. Chad. Chad. 
Player one, great game. That was close. Player two, yeah. Who knew I'd clutch? Ha ha. Oh, <laughs> this podcast is so clutch. No, that's not right. <laughs> is it failing? Right. I guess if it's failing, and we're going to pull it out. Yeah. Well, that's not. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The beginning was we thought it went really yeah. bad. Yeah, it was yeah. clutch. When it's Dan clutch. didn't know what clutch yeah. meant, it was so clutch. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. I'm not even sure if that's great. So, do you know any? We were hoping you would yeah. teach us some Gen Z lingo, but do you know what? I had a really bad experience and. I'll tell you the experience and then if you think that this should be edited out of the podcast, you can. Um, but it was at the time when I was like young youth pastor and I really was kind of using whatever words they were. I never sort of went like lit or anything like that. But um, I was talking about Jesus and Matthew um, 8 verse 23 when he calmed a storm and, you know, Jesus sleeping at the boat. So I'm preaching. I'm like, yeah, Jesus was just at the back, back of the boat, you know, like Netflix and chill. And like Netflix and chill oh. is like, it's a really, no, it's not a great term. It doesn't mean yeah. actually watching Netflix and chilling. Yeah. It means something else. But I didn't know that at the time. And I just thought it meant sleeping oh. and, you know, chilling. So I was like saying, Jesus is Netflix and chill oh, at no. the back of the boat. And it just, everyone was like, what? Do you, does he know what that means? And one of our, our younger youth leaders came up to me and said, Dan, that was really inappropriate. You need to stop trying to use words that are going to try and engage with young people. I'm like, a good reminder. Yeah, good and job. from that day on. From that day on, yeah. Yeah, well, we've got some questions for you about young people, Dan. We know there's loads to you, but one thing that you can shed a little bit of light on is the next generation. You're currently, um, just tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on, so for people who might not know. Yeah, I mean, my job is just literally to like listen and learn from like youth leaders, young people all around the globe, make sure what we're creating at Alpha in terms of culture and content is going to be something that actually like helps them, encourages them, serves them. So yeah, we're creating a new Alpha U film series. Uh, for Gen Alpha. So that's like anyone born after 2010. You know, I think, you know, metaverse, think gaming, think massive mental health struggles, think want to make a big difference in the world, think they got more information to like anything because of like the social media and everything and TikTok and stuff. And so, yeah, we're just creating something that's going gonna, gonna to work for them, hopefully. So good. Yeah, it might be clutch. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what you do. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your family. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm 38 years old, so just one year behind Alex. And i um been married 13 years to my wife, Charlie. She's an anti-human trafficking um, coordinator for Europe for A21. And uh, we got two kids. We've got Knox, who's five, and we've got Nico, who's coming up to two next week. And it looks like you watched Barbie this summer. Yeah, so, yeah, my hair is bright blonde. Um, do you know what? Like. Yeah, guys. I've not seen it. Yeah. Oh, you should see it. It's really good. Okay. Yeah, it's a great movie. Like, there's lots of stuff in it. But yeah, I was I was with a couple of other like youth. One of them got the alpha question marks on their hair, pink. One of them got stay curious on it. You know, nice. yeah, perfect for this podcast. Yeah. And I was with them, and I felt left out. So I got my hair blonde and didn't even tell my wife. Oh, what did she say? Oh, she was horrified. Was she? Yeah. yeah, it was like big deal. Are you gonna? Dye it a different colour? No, I'm just going to grow it out. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I once had baby lights put into my hair, which is like very fine highlights. It felt like it took about 10 years for them to grow out. I think like it was yeah, a couple of months ago. It's taken a while. Full blonde. Yeah. 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 My wife won't kiss me to it's out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. So we're talking about staying curious and you're an expert in the next generation. Do you think they're curious, you know, when often we look around and lots of young people just on their phones and do you think they are trying to stay curious? What, what do you think? Yeah, that's such a great question. And uh, like, first of all, just I'm definitely not an expert. I think as soon as you're an expert, you like, you know everything. And then there's one thing that I'm sure about this generation is that there's a lot for me to still learn. So I always try to like position myself as a beginner, always like learning and listening to them. Uh, but yeah, I would say they are curious, you know, because if you think about, you know, kids, 
you know, they're asking us all the questions under the sun. And then even as teenagers, they got loads of questions. You know, it might be like, you know, that person just made me feel like really awkward. I felt rejected. Like, how do I deal with this emotion and this pain? And then other things are just like surface level. Some of them are deep, but I think they're very curious. And I think as you get older, the curiosity just tends to disappear because maybe you feel embarrassed about asking questions. You don't have a place to ask questions. But I think definitely young people have got a lot of questions. And of course, they go to Google, TikTok, YouTube to research stuff themselves. But I still, when I sit down with a young person, they love discussing it rather than just like Googling it alone. Mm. So good. It's helpful um, for someone who doesn't spend much time with like teenagers. My kids are not quite there yet. And, um, you know, I wouldn't naturally have many occasions. Is that helpful to know that they are open-minded and curious? Because sometimes we get the impression that young generations like, oh, no, I've got my mind up. I've got my phone. I've got my, you know, you know. Mm. but knowing that they are open-minded and have got questions, that's great for people in our line of work who are trying to help people to bring their curiosity to places like Alpha to ask those questions and to explore faith and Christianity and to perhaps think that there's something different there that they might not know about. It's really good. Totally, yeah. We did that study. 25,000 teenagers across the globe, 27 countries. And um, yeah, it was called the open generation because they're, they're open. They've got questions. They want to listen. They want to learn. The, the hard thing was is that when we sat down with them, we said, is church a place where you can go with your questions? They're like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I really hope like, you know, over this next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, like well, however long we're doing like Alpha Youth, we can help create those spaces for their curiosity. Mm-hmm. Where do they want to take their curiosity? Do they want to ask questions to older generations or their friends? Yeah, you know, I think they're really open to listen to different generations, but typically older generations have this posture of teaching mm-hmm. and kind of speaking down. So I'm I'm the one with the wisdom, you're there to learn as like the squire or, you know, the the, the young learner. But um, for young people, they, they want to find the answer, but they really want to speak to you almost at the same level. And it's not that they think they're better than you, it's just they want an honest, real, authentic conversation. And so I think if they're listening to an older generation and they feel like they're being preached at or taught at, they're kind of like on the defenses. But if you come at them at their level and you listen to them, work out where they're at, and then you give them kind of information or wisdom, you know, which answers their questions where they're at and it becomes an organic conversation, then yeah, I think that's what they're looking for. Dan, part of this podcast is us being curious about people and their stories and us being open-minded and trying to learn something for ourselves and hopefully for the people who are listening along as well. One thing I'm curious about uh, when I look at your social media or if I hear you preach is that you regularly speak about fear. You talk about how the Christian life gives us a way to conquer fear. And I'm curious about whether or not that's because you've had to navigate that in your own life or um, you've seen that in other people's lives. But would you just speak into that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, luckily, like God just you know, bless me and I've never felt fear my whole life. It's been really cool. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the right. isn't it? Right. Yeah, my journey with fear has definitely like evolved over the years. Um, I think like every human being, I've always had fear. But I guess when I was growing up, it wasn't really acceptable for males to have fear or worry or anxiety. It was kind of like you man up. And I remember listening to some of my role models and like whether they're like professional basketballers or sports players and they're asked like, do you ever have fear? They're like, no, and don't give it the time in my head. And I guess what they were saying is like the way they deal with fear is by not focusing on fear, but focusing on the answer, which is still like a great way to deal with fear. But for me, like fear has always been the thorn in my flesh. Um, And it was always easy before I was a Christian. Because when I wasn't a Christian, I didn't have to do anything 
like that I didn't want to do. I'm like, if someone says, hey, can you present this? Or could you talk here? Or could you do that? I just say, no, no thanks. Like I'm feeling the fear and I'm staying in my comfort zone. And then I became a Christian. And then all of a sudden I've got to do whatever I feel like God's telling me to do. And if the Holy Spirit says, I want you to share your testimony with 10 people in like in a small group, like I could see my heart like pumping through my chest. And even though I hated doing it, I knew I had to do it because it was just part of me, like, you know, being obedient in my journey. And so like now, like public speaking is, you know, a big part of my job. And I'd love to say that God's taken my fear of public speaking away, but it's not like every time I'm speaking, it's like this heavy weight. Um, but God is, he's never let me down. He's always been with me. Um, I think he probably loves the fact that, you know, I pray way more, uh, you know, before I'm speaking than I do in regular life, which is a shame. I always challenge myself. I'm like, why do I pray so much when I need something from him? Rather just praying out of, you know, general conversation with him. But yeah, I think, um, fear of public speaking has always been something. And I have had some like fails along the way. So I was in the Dominion Fit Theatre about 25 years old, got up Easter Sunday, all I had to do, 10 minutes, talk about sin. Got up, I didn't take any notes because I thought I knew what I was saying. Totally forgot what I was saying. Had a total like um, like brain freeze. And then I was meant to say, oh, sorry, I'm not an actor, I'm a pastor, because the whole thing was like this whole performance. But I was so nervous, I ended up saying, I'm not a pastor, I'm an actor. <laughs> anyway, it was so awkward. Literally, oh. I walked off like my wife just died. Um, she was she was feeling bad for me. My brother's feeling bad for me. But luckily, like the pastor at the time, because that was the first service of five. You know, it's like throughout the day, you're talking about ten thousand people walking through the door. And I said, I'm so sorry. Fear got me. Can you get something else? He's like, huh? Get back up there. Take your nights. Just do it again. And he kind of like just said, just keep going. And so I went through the other services. And by the end of it, it's like the fear that gripped me by the beginning had left me. I guess what I'm trying to say is, by the end of the day, I realized that if you want to actually overcome fear, you have to actually face it. And that means go through that awkward pain of whatever it looks like to do the thing that's scaring you. Mm. That's so good. I um, got bitten by a dog when I was a child and I grew up petrified of dogs. I really, really scared of them. And uh, like I'd see a dog on the street and I'd cry, like really scared. And then when I um, met my now husband, Russo, he said, oh, come over and meet my family. They live in the Middle East. And um, and so I flew over really nervous to meet the future in-laws to be. And I walked through the door and honestly, it's like a zoo. Oh. It's like three dogs, two cats, budgies, no. but you name it, they were in there. And I, I'm pretty afraid of all animals because I grew up afraid of dogs. And this massive German shepherd comes running up to me like, He's so big, he puts his paws on my shoulder, like barking in my face. And the whole week I was so scared and I was trying to avoid this huge German shepherd, which by the way, his name was Hunter. Right. And uh, he lived up to it, I was so scared. And um, my mother-in-law taught me how to deal with it. But being around the dogs uh, all week, genuinely got over my fear of dogs. And now I quite like them. Yeah, really. Yeah. they call it exposure therapy. Yeah, Like the more you can expose yourself to the thing that's causing you fear, the more hopefully you overcome it. You mentioned something down where you said before you were a Christian, your way of overcoming fear was to just say no to the things that made you feel afraid. I wondered what you thought, um, and maybe it's an observation that I've made based on no evidence, but one thing I've noticed about younger Christian leaders or people who are involved in church ministry is that perhaps since the pandemic, people are more reluctant to put themselves on the front line and in positions of leadership. That might be because 15 years ago, leadership, perhaps even in the church, was um, desirable. Mm. And now people just want to run away from leadership. Have you noticed that like 
there's less of a desire for people to lead. And do you think that's because people are afraid? 100%, yeah. When you see people getting cancelled and called out, when you see um, the fact that all these people who were in ministry um, were not living perfect lives, even though you might not be you know, doing those things that you're seeing, at the end of the day, we all know that like, none of us are perfect. And sometimes you think, oh, well, even... You know, even this small thing, if someone else was aware of that or saw that, like, who am I? I'm not good enough. And so there's this wrestle of like um, facing fear because you don't want to be cancelled. And then also wrestle with like, I might not be good enough to do this. But then at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, who, you know, who is, you know, that's, that's like one of the tensions I try and sit with youth leaders and, and people. They say, no, ministry is not for me because I'm not good enough. And, uh, and so I think you've got to meet everyone on different levels where they are. But um, at the end of the day, it just comes down to calling. Like when the Church of Christ started, when like, Paul and Peter were going out preaching the gospel like it was horrendous you're getting put in prison battered and bruised and ultimately losing your life the only reason you do that is because you feel the calling and so you know whenever I chat with young leaders I, I just sort of I ask a question have you spent time with God do you feel called because if you feel called then you know that obedience will help you overcome the fear but if you don't feel called of course um, there's no need for you to kind of do something that you feel like you're not called to so if a young person listening to this or anyone really feels called to lead in their workplace or run an alpha for their mates or leadership of some sort but they are fearful yeah. what advice would you give them yeah i mean i think my whole uh, motto is just like feel the fear and face it anyway but like you know with your dog you have exposure therapy the idea is you expose yourself more and more to the dog and you'll be okay with it to help us up with our fear it's not expose yourself more and more to people and it'll become easier it's actually just expose yourself more to god mm -hmm. like the more you're exposed to like his presence his love his perfect love comes out of fear i don't mean to get a bit preachy <laughs> like, not, right. you know i know it's not what this podcast is about but like ultimately like if i was going to do anything on any level it's just that private time with god that allows me to like have the confidence and courage you know in the in the public place and so i think yeah if you feel like there's anything that God might be saying you to do and you know that fear is the only thing that's stopping you from doing that, there's a good chance that, you know, God is saying you should do it because everything God has for you is always on the other side of fear. It's so helpful. Um, I was wondering how you practically put things in place so that you live a light life because whenever I chat to you, I know that you carry lots of heavy things. You've got a, a busy job. You travel internationally a lot because a lot of your team are around the globe. You're producing a new alpha film series for young people, which is a huge production that will take you all around the world. You've got two young children. You're, you've been married for 13 years, as you say. Yeah. Um, and you're paying the mortgage and doing everything else and living in a hectic world. Do you like put stuff in place practically that means that you don't live your life in frenetic fear of like, you know, how am I going to do this? How do you carry all of that? Like, give us some things like, yeah, I've decided these are the practical things I do to keep my life in check. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reality is that I live a very, very organized life. And I'm not saying that everyone has to be super organized, but um, there's this thing called uh, capacity where, you know, sometimes it's a bit toxic. The way people talk about capacity is like, you have to grow your capacity as if like, you know, to be able to do all these things. And it's like, you know, what's the point? Again, if, if you're growing your capacity, like for your name or for fame or for just for fortune, then they're really like, I, I wouldn't say grow your capacity, but if you're, your intention for growing your capacity is purely to help others, which ultimately I believe is biblical, then I think it's a really healthy thing. And for me, growing my capacity since I was 18 has been a new believer to where I am now. 
38 is literally just been putting in daily disciplines so I can live an organized life. So that actually these things going first and what I call them like the big rocks. And you probably yeah. heard that analogy of like, there's the vase, mm. you've got the big rocks. If you put in the pebbles first, you can't put in the big rocks. So the big rocks is like me and Charlie, we're having weekly meetings, talking about our calendar, talking about our finances, talking about our parenting. And now I've got another rock. It's like, this is my friends. These are the people that I'm sewing into. This is church life. This is everything else. And there might be another rock, you know, whatever. But like, we have to be really disciplined with those big rocks first. Otherwise the whole thing, you know, it goes to chaos. And for me, I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. Like I've always just said yes to everybody. And so far that's never really, I haven't lost out because of that. Like somehow God's always just supernaturally given me everything I need to be able to do those things. Um, but I'm at a place now where I really need to be better at putting in boundaries. And I've never been good at saying putting in boundaries. And I read a great book by Dr. Henry Cloud, all about boundaries as a Christian guy, who mm -hmm. biblically explains it. That's a great book. Yeah, it's phenomenal, right? Yeah. And so again, you know, if you're someone and you're like thinking, I want to be able to give lots to others, I want to be able to do lots for my life, of course, boundaries are important and all of that comes from you just like applying these like little disciplines and learning to say no so you can say yes. Um, you, you may disagree with this, Dan, but I think that you present to somebody who's got their life in order. Yeah. You're like disciplined, you look good, you exercise, you're sort of balancing all those kind of things. Do you ever just sort of sit on the couch and eat burger and cry? Like what's your <laughs> what's your equivalent of like um Doritos? Yeah, like I'm having a bad day. Yeah. Just there binging something on Netflix and stuff in my face. What's your equivalent of that? Is it like staying in the gym twice? Like, you don't know what we're talking about. Do you mean yeah. protein shake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some, no, I have like it's that? built in, it's once a week. I have like a cheat day. Really? Which is for me, yeah, I can just do whatever. I mean, it's still like the after my kids, making sure like they survive yeah. and stuff. But yeah, like just eating what I want, doing what I want. Uh, John Mark Homer wrote on, you know, on your Sabbath, like do it like a pleasure stacking. Mm -hmm. Just do all those fun things, those things which are about you. Fun things, you know, that really, you know, you're giving God glory and enjoying time with him throughout that. So yeah, I have loads of those days. And I really like, I think I am a bit like a swan. Like sure, it might look like sometimes like things are together, but now I'm like my feet are always underneath frantically praying, God, get me through this day. Mm -hmm. Take one day at a time. So going to the gym and exercising, is that for you, um, would that be on your day off Sabbath you enjoy it or is that a discipline that you have to do each day? It's every day and at the moment, like, I'd, I'd do it seven days a week, but at the moment, like I wrestle with my wife, it's like maybe six days a week. She, is that part of the gym routine, <laughs> you know, wrestling? Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the seventh yeah. day, I wrestle with yeah. my wife. <laughs> I, I love it, like it's my... <laughs> you love wrestling with you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> 10,000 steps yeah, yeah. <laughs> in one step. Yeah. But yeah, it's for me, uh, for my mental health, like having that hour without my kids or anyone else, mm -hmm. phone off, like sometimes obviously listen to something, but just like that space for me, like I need it. Do you think you'll start listening to our podcast in your gym sessions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like I said, I go every day. So as long as you're banging Is it weights or is it cardio or weights? Bit of both. Yeah, just so a bit how, all rounder. What's your deadlift? PB. No, that's one thing I've never got into. Oh, boo. Yeah, I look at those people lifting heavy weights and I'm like, I wish I could, but I've got these little ones. Yeah, what about you? Mine is 125 wow. kg. Oh. Deadlift. Deadlift. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can lift more than me. I'll try wrestling your wife and see how that goes. Hey, before we let you go, you talked about you've been married for 13 years and um, uh, other than wrestling, we were sort of like, what is um, the key to a successful marriage? And I wondered if you might be able to I mean, I realise that from your perspective and in your experience, what have you found has been important in your marriage? And would it be fair to say that 
you and Charlie are quite different characters. Um, Charlie would maybe be more extroverted and you'd be more introverted. Like, how do you navigate loving someone who's so different? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and we've only been married 13 years. And so like, we've never brought out like a, like a marriage thing or uh, we really rarely talk about marriage just because we still don't feel like we've done the journey long enough yet. Like for me, when I see people who've been married like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, like, I'm so encouraged. They're the people I want to listen from. I, th I still think 13 years is pretty like new into it. Um, but for us, like w when you're in our room, like we know we haven't got the perfect marriage, but we are just so grateful for our marriage because we just really enjoy each other's company. I think if I married someone like me, we live a very boring life. And if Charlie married someone like her, I mean, they just wouldn't be married anymore. Like, it would have, <laughs> you know, it would have been like just game over early on. Like, but but together, there's this like, um, I don't know, just this like beautiful place where we understand each other's weaknesses and each other's strengths. And so I think for us, the main thing is that we're always communicating because we like we do things differently. We're wired differently. We're always talking about you know what we're feeling, what we're seeing, what we're doing what we're struggling with. And I think that open communication has really helped us. And then we always just make sure we look at our lenses, like the best lens. Like I look at my wife, like who she could be in 10, 20 years, 30 years. I look at her, hopefully the way God looks at her. And I don't look at her like the negatives. And really, you know, that thing about is the glass half full or half empty? Yeah. It's the same with how you look at people. You can look at the, the negatives in their life or you can look at their positives. And it's a daily choice you have in every interaction you have, especially with your partner. And I just choose not to focus on her weaknesses. And I hope she also does not focus on mine because there is plenty. Nice. Well, we, um, we've we loved spending time with you today. And I separately have loved uh, spending time with you and Charlie together. You guys are amazing. And we're so inspired about all that you're doing for the next generation with Alpha Youth and the insights that we can learn as well. Thank you so much for joining us Thank on the podcast today. Loved it. Thanks, Dan. And if you have anything that you are curious to know or any more 40 before 40 updates for Al, then you can email us at uk at alpha.org with podcasts in the subject or DM us on our socials, Run Alpha. But thanks so much for listening and catch you next time. Oh, 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 oh,